right, welcome back to Blair and Barker for a Monday. Which, as any baseball fan knows, is the day in which the Blue Jays starting rotation has the worst ERA <laughs> of any of the 30 teams in baseball. And Barker dropped on us the last time. You're welcome. Uh, I just don't know if that means anything. <laughs> like, is it just chance? What do you want it's got to be chance. You, I'll, I'll, tomorrow, I'll come in here just like you. Over. And that's it. <laughs> That's well, what you want me to do. I can no, do that. no, I, I just, I, yeah. Jeff, I'll take the under. Uh, listen, I, okay. <laughs> I was so busy doing, well, yeah. doing in the east, yeah, you, putting that together. Well, you want to do that sometime. You can, hour. you can, you can do the in the east your own sometime. Hall of Famer. Uh, Eric Gagne was the 2003 NL Cy Young Award winner with the Dodgers. Uh, he is host of Game Over, and you can check out episodes of the show on YouTube in both English and French, of course. You remember Eric Gagne. Uh, welcome to the jungle. Oh, uh, scary. Yeah, it was still it was scary. Still, I have to admit, on my list of entry, entry songs for a closer, I had that number one. I have Hell's Bells with Trevor Hoffman, a very close number two. Mm. Um, and mainly because, well, in the case of the Dodgers, the stadium was usually packed and everybody was going nuts. It was a great time, and uh, he's a great reliever. We're very pleased to be joined by Eric Gagne. Eric, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Uh, we trust that you're doing well. It's it's uh, It's been a while since we've talked to you. I'll, I'll just I'll lead off with the general question. What do you What have you been doing with yourself for the past couple of years? <laughs> I've been uh, I've been home golfing a little bit, enjoying retired life, and then uh, since uh, golfing is you know just a little bit of my passion, my hobby, and now I got a podcast, so just kind of stay in the game a little bit, enjoy retiring, and just kind of you know enjoy life. That's it, not much. When you look back at your time in L.A. with the Dodgers, I mean, obviously the Cy Young season, 55 saves, 84 consecutive saves from 2002, 2004. I'm laughing just because I can't conceive a lot of, of 84 saves, especially the way uh, the game is going now. What stands out to you the most? Like, it, it, I, 84 saves has got to be it, right? I mean, 84 is amazing. It just is the way the way a save for me. I don't. I don't like calling it a save. It's more of a preserved win. I think it's you know it's a team thing. They play eight innings in front of you. You want to get in there, and kind of just really keep it. You know, keep it under control. Make sure that we preserve the win. And that was amazing. It was great because it's a team effort. Uh, but I think the greatest memory with the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium is probably when I blew my 84 save. And uh, just the reason why because I got a standing ovation for failing. So that was pretty amazing, and I had a good time. It's just the you know, greatest fan, I think, in history for me. Just, it was just amazing. And, uh, yeah, I just got a standing ovation after my 84th save. That was pretty much uh, that was pretty much top of my career. Of course, you know, winning the World Series was great, but I think uh, being with the Dodgers and getting a standing ovation, that was pretty cool. Eric, is there a difference in getting a save in, say, May than in September? What's the big difference? Oh, yeah, I mean – there's a huge difference. I think, you know, it's, every every win is very important. Every victory you get out there is very important, especially with you're in the race and everything else because a lot of times it comes down to one or two, make two games. But, yeah, it does make a big difference, especially if your team, you know, struggling or, you know, you're doing – you're struggling late in, the, late in the year. Everybody's tired. Everybody's really trying to really push through it. You know, the dog days of summers are here, so – it's it's a little different, and the the pressure is different. The innings are a little harder. Everything is a little more uh, uh, 
there's a little more microscope on every single pitch. Everything has made a little bit more meaning a little bit late in the season. Late in the season. So it is a little bit more pressure, but I think that's what closes thrive on that. They strive on pressure. They strive on uh, on late inning drama, and I think that's kind of – that was my forte. I love that. Okay, obviously you formed a habit because you had 84 saves in a row. Is, is Could you tell you were going to have a good outing? Like could you – you know, when you were throwing and it was coming off the fingers the right way, could you tell – when it was going to be bad and when it was going to be good. and Like, you had to be a little bit more fine with location, is my point, right, when you're going on the mound and thinking about how you're going to get big league hitters out. Yeah, I mean, totally. You're Basically, as a reliever, for me mentally, it's more getting ready mentally, get physically, uh, you know, warmed up. And the bullpen, yeah, you, there's days you're like, wow, this is it's coming out really well. I don't think I'm going to give up. There's days like that, but the – no, the crazy thing is sometimes when you think you're going to get a great outing, it doesn't go the way you want because you focus, you probably let your guards down a little bit mentally. You don't focus as much on every pitch because you think your stuff is never going to get hit. And uh, a lot of times that's kind of what happens. You get you know sneak attack on people you don't really expect because you're feeling too good. And other days you feel terrible. You go five or six days in a row warming up and kind of getting ready to get in, and your body doesn't feel good, so you're really hyper-focused. And, you know, you do better. You go out there and you just get guys out early in the count and you let them swing, you let them make contact, and you get better results sometimes. So, you know, it's not always good to be feel great in the bullpen. Sometimes it's, you know, it has a reverse effect sometimes. But, you know, you feel, you feel when you're feeling good and when you're throwing the ball well, you have enough rest and everything else. You feel great, but it doesn't always translate. Eric, when you were on that role, like it – I. Was there any, I don't know how much use of analytics was being used back then or how much, you know, how much video you did or things of that nature. How much of it, how how much technology were you able to use back then? Were you a video guy or were you just kind of, uh, you know, looking ahead to who, who the, what the most problematic matchups would be? That's a great question because especially nowadays with the data, the technology, you know, available to the players, there's so much information. And when I started the first three years of my career, I was a starter, and I was literally in the, you know, in the scouting report, reading every single count, reading every outcome, really trying to find the best matchup. You know, and I kind of got lost a little bit. I really started thrown to their their weakness instead of pitching with my strength. And I think that's, you know, that's where. I stopped when I started. When I became a closer, I stopped doing that. I kind of went on the field a lot more. Kind of okay, this is what I got. I got one inning, get three out, and get out of there as fast as possible. And there's a lot more emotion, a lot more feel. And I think for me, it fit my personality better. So, I mean, I did watch a lot of movies, or not movies. I watched a lot of the videos, just kind of like, all right, what's the strike zone? What's this guy? What's this guy doing? Has he been hot the last five, six games? You know, what's his training? Does he like to pull the ball, go the other way? And that was kind of it for me. I did. I, I love studying it. Just kind of when in doubt, you go back to your data, you go back to your your uh, your uh, scouting report. But to be honest, I think it's more of a feel. Every time I felt something on the mound, you know, under a fastball or curveball, I really try to follow my instincts as much as possible. And so I think it's a you know it's good to have both. That's a little about hybrid. When you don't know exactly what to do, you go back to the data. But I, I was a lot more of a field pitcher. When you were, uh, you know, in the middle of a season or getting towards the end of a season, I know that pitchers, closers are, as Kevin said, creatures of habit. But did you have to change whatever routine you had as the season got on more? Was it what, because I've got to think that as the season moved on, the games got more important. You knew you were going to be used. But did you have to vary how you ate or, or how you worked out or what you did between between outings 
as the season went on? Of course, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the season, when you come on the off season, you're trying to, you know, sometimes you work on either your strength conditioning or, you know, throwing different pitch or, you know, new diet or whatever. So you come into the season, you're pretty fresh, you feel great. And coming in July and August, you're starting to wear down a little bit. So that's why I would back off a lot by my workouts. I would kind of back off a little bit, feel a little more fresh. But, you know, you're trying to keep the same. You're trying to get just a little flush every single day, especially a reliever. You don't really know when you're going to get in. So it's more of a maintenance than anything else. And uh, I did change my workout. I had this a little bit later in the season just to kind of just, you know, be on the mound. Either it was my play catch, I would throw a little bit less because I knew I was going to be – have a chance to get in the game. So before the game, I would just kind of hang around, you know, hydrate as much as I could, just kind of get back on the mound every single day to be ready every day. Eric, was there a guy – like, was there a guy that you said, okay, he is third up. I got to make sure I get these two guys out because I really don't like facing this guy. Was there a guy? Well, of course, Derek Bonds was the guy that he never wanted to face, but I never wanted to – the guy that really had my number was Rich Aurelia. That guy was just a little, hmm. you know, he would just put the bat on the ball. And just, for some reason, he had my number. There's guys like that. But, you know, I, I, Luis Gonzalez, I would strike him out every single time. I had his number. Was, for some reason, there's just an easy out for me. And he's a great hitter. And then Rich Aurelia is a great hitter, too. But it's for some reason, I couldn't get him out. So. But the most feared hitter, I think, for me, was Barry Bonds. It was just the way he stepped in the box. Even if he wasn't in the third hitter, he was in fourth or fifth. You really want to focus on getting the first two guys out just to make sure you didn't have to face them at all with anybody on base. So, yeah, he did change the game a lot. But my my nemesis was pretty much uh, Richard Willia. <laughs> what, uh, which is, I, I'm thinking because the Giants and Dodgers had has yeah, such a great uh, rivalry. I could see where I, I kind of laughing, too, at the idea that Richard Willia would be uh, being nemesis. Uh, what do you remember most of that, that World Series uh, winning season? Um, what stands out to you the most about, you know, playing, I guess, especially for a dude like Terry Francona? Yeah, he's an amazing person. I, I wish people would get to see him in the clubhouse because, you know, the way he handles the, the game and, and, you know, the X and O's of the game is one thing, but the way he manages people, the way he manages personalities, his superstars, his, you know, you know, day-to-day guys, his, you know, bench guys, he's just pretty amazing, but, it was fun. It was fun to be part of that team because I had a no-trade clause and I wanted to be in Boston. I felt like it was feeling my personality a little bit more. I think the culture there fit me a little bit better. And uh, it was a really, really great season for me. I had a really fun time in, uh, in with the Rangers. And then I got traded to Boston. I had Alex Gora on you there. I had uh, David Ortiz. I thought it was going to be a great guy to be part of. Uh, he had Manny Ramirez, one of the greatest hitters of all time, right-handed hitter. It was really cool to be there and win the World Series. I didn't do good, which I was a little bit hard on myself, but at least I got the World Series ring. A lot of guys play for a lot of years and don't get the chance to win a World Series, so I got that, and uh, it was a pretty special season. Uh, Eric, I want to ask you about the 2023 Dodgers. What do, what do you make of that team? And, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries with the pitching staff, some older guys on that team still trying to win a bunch of baseball games, and they are. What do you make of that team? Well, that team is a very, it's a long, long four, five, six, seven years in the making, I think, because, you know, we talk, talk about cultures. What, the, what does it mean to win, understand how to win, the process of winning? And I think the Dodgers have really done that with their players. Anybody that's coming in, whether it's a rookie, a uh, guy from another team, a guy like Freddie Freeman coming in and really blending in the guys and really, you know, taking a, a leader's 
the leader's role, and it's pretty amazing to watch them play because all the guys are hurt. I mean, they got superstars. Don't get me wrong. They got amazing talent. But just the way they play together, they believe they can win. Just having Dave Roberts there never panics. We talk about Tito Francono. We've got Dave Roberts out there that's probably learned from him a lot. Just no panic. I mean, they understand how good they are. They understand what it takes to win. They understand some marathon. They don't go panicking out there. They just trust their ability. They trust that they play better as a team. And I think that's really comes down from the top and you know, the top down. You got guys like Andrew Friedman put a team together. It's not just you know, it's not just money. It's literally trying to put the best group of players together that work together, that pick each other up, and that's really what they've done for. I mean, since Andrew Friedman got there, yes, they do have the money, but I think they're really focused on culture, and it's pretty fun to watch because no matter who they put out there, they're going to perform as a Dodger, and it's you know that's why they're winning. And Eric, it's always, I mean, I covered a lot of games at Dodger Stadium and spent a lot of time there when I was covering the Expos. And there's something about, I mean, L.A. is a big market. It's a big medium market. It's a big city. But it it really seemed as if there was, it was easier to be comfortable there than maybe a market like Philadelphia or a market like New York. And I'm not saying that the fans aren't rabid because <laughs> I always tell people, I mean, if you want to, everybody talks about Yankees and, and, and Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to see a rivalry? Go and sit in the stands during a Dodgers-Giants game if, if, if you want to see a rivalry. What is it about <laughs> L.A., though, that just, that makes it, just so so cool is it that that west coast vibe or is it just yeah that's exactly right i think it's just the weather i mean people are a little bit more relaxed there i think if you go anywhere in the world in traffic you see the personality as a city mm-hmm. and i think if you put you go in traffic in new york you're going to hear a lot of honking you're going to go in traffic in la it's not as honky out there so it's a it's just different different vibe different personality different you know you go all over america and there's different you know go to middle america you go to oklahoma different type of personality it's just a little bit different in la a little more relaxed i think it's you know it's not so hardcore there's a lot more to do it's more of a you know hollywood vibe but it's you know they're passionate about their their daughters and you know they believe blue and it's, there's no such thing as bad fans i think passion fans that's what you're looking for i was in boston at you know i just a chance to be part of the Dodgers, part of the, the the Red Sox, and just the difference in fans. If the fashion is the same, they're a little bit different type of fans because I think a lot more like, I would say a little bit more like hockey fans, very passionate, very uh, religious about their sports. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in L.A. it's a little bit more entertaining. They get behind their teams, but it's a little more entertainment. It's a little different different vibe, totally. But it's, you know, it's great. That's fun. I love it. I'm just for me, it was perfect for me. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to try and figure out how to get out Freddie Freeman. Now, if you are facing Freddie Freeman, he liked velocity. He likes the off-speed pitches, which is sort of what you threw. How would you throw him? How would you get him out if you had to? Oh, he's a tough one. He's got short swing. He's very smart. He understands pitching well. He understands what pitchers are trying to do. I think he knows what he can't not do as well. And I think he's very patient. He waits for his pitches. I think just... You know, get him, you know, get, try to get him off balance somehow. Either pitch up and in, pitch down and away, you go hard up and then down and away. Just basic stuff that trying to try to make sure that you don't throw anything middle, middle that he's going to hurt you. Just let him roll over, hopefully, on the changeup. Trying to, you know, just crowd the plate a little bit early and just kind of go away early and oh, oh, just hope because he's a great hitter. <laughs> Uh, last question for us, Eric. Uh, boy, since you were in the majors, I mean, there, there have been a lot of Canadian players that have come in following you, not just players, but pitchers. There have been a lot of guys. I mean, I'm thinking of a guy we just saw this weekend, Matt Brash, who throws 
throws 100. A guy from high school, guy from Kingston, Ontario, for God's sake. He probably should have played hockey. But he's ended up uh, as a guy who at some point is, is going to be a major, a major league closer. It's got to be a sense of a source of pride, I think, for, for guys uh, of your era or guys of your age to see just how many like it, how many really good Canadian ball players there are now. It's not like the 25th man or the 26th man anymore. You've got guys who are all stars. You've got guys who are superstars. You've got the Naylor family, one family in Toronto. They've produced yeah. three kids who are going to be two yeah. in the majors, another one who will be. It's got to feel pretty cool for you. It's amazing. It just, it just tells like the, the the world that Canada is serious about baseball. I mean, I know we're hockey fans. We're all always hockey. We're born with skates on and everything else. People don't take us seriously as much. But we have some quality people. A guy like, I mean, Justin Murnau, Jajali Vado of the world. I mean, there's a Larry Walker and all these guys are superstars. They're impact players. And it's fun to watch guys like the Naylor you're talking about. There's so much talent. And it's fun to see that the guys are coming in, following us, and just trying to you know, create their own path out there. But really, the kids can look up and say, you know what, I want to be a baseball player one day. Even if I'm, you know, skating, it's minus 20 out on the ice rink. And you, can, you, know, you can still dream big. And I think it's pretty cool to see. Hopefully, you know, that's that, that, I think that's the impact of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think the last 10, 12 years, they've been doing really good. They've had a lot of great teams. And, you know, a guy like Russell Martin's impact is huge. Just guys playing baseball and it's just – just showing the world that we can do that. We're great athletes. We're hockey players first, yes, but we can play. We can play other sports. It's fun to watch guys dominate and just have great success out there because you know it makes us proud. They're all Canadian. We're all. Uh, I remember when Arizona, we had all the Canadians here, and we all went out to the ice den playing uh, hockey together, and we had a, probably a three hundred million dollar payroll on the ice. So that was <laughs> a little dangerous, but it was fun. I mean, it's just it was just proud. To, you know. Canadians, just just to see guys succeed, it's really, really fun to watch. Okay, Eric, I promise this is the last one. i got to ask you about the pitch timer and mm-hmm. late in games. Now, I have heard, have heard baseball think about changing, you know, something you might do in the eighth inning. You may take away the pitch timer because mm-hmm. that, those are the most important part of the game is the eighth and ninth inning. I wonder, closer, is that a big deal, the pitch timer? We, we've seen Jordan Romano. It doesn't seem to bother him. I would think it's the highest leverage when, you know, maybe if your changeup wasn't working or your fastball command wasn't working. What do you think the biggest challenges are now with the pitch timer late in games? Yeah, I didn't like it at first. I really did not like it, to be honest, because I don't. it's the only sport that we don't have a clock on. I understand the reason why they did it. I like it now because it's a lot faster. What I would do is just hide it. Just let the umpires understand the situation if there's a huge you know sometimes it is in the ninth inning it's different the, the, the grip is that whatever it is and there's there's so many variables and the fans want to you know sometimes you need a little drama you need a little pause and make sure we soak in that moment when we talked about the otani and the trout uh at bat the wbc if you put a pitch clock on there it's not the same when i face bare bonds if there's a pitch clock i don't think it would be any violation but i think it should be left to understand okay hey Guys, pick it up a little bit. That, basically, that's all it is. Just make sure the game is good pace, and I think that's what they've done with the pitch clock. Now, I just say, just take it away. Don't have to show it then. Make sure the umpires have it. Make sure that everybody's trying to stay on pace and just pick it up a little bit. Guys, don't stay in the box. There's already a rule that that way to keep the guys in the box. I think they've accomplished what they want to do, and the playoff is going to be hard because if there's a violation and they don't call it and then they do it on the team, it's like you got to have you got to put everything in perspective and. You know, I think it's, you know, if in the World Series and something happens and the team loses because of this, 
I don't know if Manfred is going to hear the end of this. And it's going to be very ugly, and I don't think it's going to be good for the game because it's it's not really – it's not about the talent. It's not about any of this. It's just a little, you know, technicality. The guy stepped off. Or he wasn't ready. He didn't have the right grip or whatever it was. If the guy is flagrantly slow, you know, we call them rain delays. I mean, I understand that. But if it's a big game and all that stuff, now players are adjusted. I think everybody's playing fast. I think the minor leaguers are used to it. The guys in the big league now, that was the hardest thing is to really implement in the major league level to make sure that everybody's used to it. The season's done that. I don't know if I would, you know, I would talk to the players and say, hey, we'll keep the same clock, but just hide it maybe. Maybe it's not so much it's left to the umpires because the umpires understand the game. They know they're trying to accelerate the game. They know they're trying to make it fun for the players, or I mean for the fans, make it good entertainment. And I think I would just left to leave it at the umpire's, you know, discretion date. Let's go, guys. Pick it up a little bit. Maybe warn a guy here and there if he sees early in the bat. Hey, in the ninth inning, I'm going to have to call this. So kind of have a conversation, a back and forward, more of a human factor. They're trying to get rid of that. But I think I would leave it at the umpire's discretion a little bit. Let them have the timer. You know, I watched a high school game probably a couple months ago. And then they have the time. They have the clock. They just don't have enough money to put it out there. So the umpires have it, and then you don't notice it. And the game is fast, but you just don't notice. So I think I would I like to see that because I would I would not like to lose a game in the playoff just because I you know I didn't step off on time or or because the the uh, the hitters you know call time out the wrong you know just stuff like that. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's worth it because our game is so beautiful. I get why they did it, but I would kind of leave it to the umpire. Eric, really good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, continued success on the uh, YouTube show, and uh, be well. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank you, guys. Thank hey, you. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. That's Eric Gagne, 2003 NL Cy Young winner with the Dodgers, host of Game Over. You can check out episodes of the show on YouTube in both English and French. You can follow Eric at Eric Gagne38. Uh, his most recent episode of uh, Game Over includes an interview with Greg Hamilton, who is general manager of the Canadian uh, junior program, manager of the Canadian national junior team. That's the team that uh, so many of the young Canadian players have uh, have played on. Um, yeah, Eric was... I, I Eric, Eric was great because it was always fun going to L.A. and kind of seeing the interaction between Eric and, and this is when I was covering the expos, the French language reporters, like he was very aware of his importance uh, to Quebec, to the game in Quebec. And it was, um, yeah, it was cool. And, and again, uh, on your bucket list, man, if you're a baseball fan, Dodger stadium has to be on your bucket Absolutely. list. It, it, it's wonderful. It, it's just, you know, driving up to it, the, the, the hill. I mean, you're, you you basically, if you go to the press level, you get out of your car, you go into the, and, and you're walking down into into a ravine. Hence, it's called Chavez Ravine. The view from it, uh, the view at night is is great. And it's just, it's, uh, it's just such a cool place. It's got such a cool L.A. vibe. But like I said, L.A. and San Francisco, I mean, that's... Uh, you get some. You well, get some nasty stuff going well, on. What, in those what, games. what did you make of the pitch timer conversation? I see, you like now, that? Okay, I like it because, I, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Eric did hit on something, and I've talked about this. How I don't like when I watch a baseball game on TV. I don't like stuff. I don't need the pitch box. I'm smart enough that I don't. I don't need the the the, the strike zone, mm, especially like since it's 
no, you know, the only people that use it are TV people because the umpires don't call it. Tell so. what they feel about umpires. Well, well anyhow, they leave it on there. I, I like the, the least amount of stuff I can possibly have on the TV, uh, on the screen. I would like to see the pitch timer not on the screen. It... it it's hard to explain. Would you know, okay, it, it's say, hard. It's hard to explain. I find. I find say that a at Gagne times bonds at bat. You would notice the pitch timer. I watch it. They, no, but the difference is, uh, yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not sure I would. Yeah, I, I don't. Now the difference is they didn't really need it because they went at that, it. They went at it. Say it was there. But, That's my point. You would notice that. Yeah, I still kind of. I find myself looking at the pitch timer every now and then, and it it kind of detracts. I, I th- hopefully we'll get to the point where we don't need to show it on TV. Like if you want to show it in the stands so the players know, obviously that's great. But yeah, I don't know if I need it on TV anymore. Yeah, the the only time I ever notice it is whenever the pitcher gets the ball and holds it yeah. and stands there. Why are you holding it? Yeah. Let's go throw it. But it's the only time I look at it. Uh, yeah, I mean it. But I think you you've got to it's it, it's got to be available for the hitters and and the pitchers to mm. see. The ballpark. Uh, we've got tickets to give away to see the Blue Jays and the Angels down at the Rogers Center. We'll do that. We'll go to the back leg line as well. It's Blair and Barker in 593-16. Review, get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet. And if you're listening to us via podcast. Uh, say hi to Jeff. Yeah, say hi to me. Never mind. He Bart. needs it. No, I really don't. But leave us, the most important thing is leave leave Barker a five-star review. Because it, it uh, I mean, it's just nice. It's like when we do our year-end review. It, it makes Mark Barker feel good. Mark? You don't even Barker. know my name. Marker Barker. Whatever. To feel good. Uh, we've got tickets to give away, don't we, to see the well, Jays, Jays and Angels down at the Rogers Center on July 29th. Um, our last trivia question and answer was, which former Blue Jays player once hit grand slams in back-to-back games against Toronto was a member of the Angels? Never would have gotten this. It was David Eckstein. Never would have gotten it. Uh, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Angels at the Rogers Center July 29th. I'm probably repeating myself, but that's okay. In the year 2000, mm. the Angels and Blue Jays each had four hitters who hit 30 or more home runs. Of the eight players, name the two who played for both the Angels and Blue Jays at one point in their career. Again, in the year 2000, the Angels and Blue Jays each had four hitters. Uh who hit 30 or more home runs of the eight players named the two who played for both the angels and blue Jays at one point in their career. Text the answer to five ninety five ninety for your shot to win. See root rules at Sportsnet. I was going to say root tails. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash five nine. I got this. You were impressed with that. Not really. I could care less, but my buddy was sitting right beside me figuring that out when I was figuring out my Monday stats. <laughs> Yeah, facts. I mean, I thought I went out of my way when I talked about uh, 
uh, buddy, the pitcher who I said that I, Joe Musgrove that I said had given up whatever in a different country, in a different country. Cause he pitched one game in Mexico and he'd only had one career game in Toronto. I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that counted as research. Full of information, Jeff. Uh, the back leg line is 416-413-3959. Operators are standing by. Leave your recipe suggestions, questions, comments for Kevin. Uh, we will be doing Blue Jays talk Wednesday. It's too late for us Monday and Tuesday to do it. Comes the game on Wednesday. Wednesday's 4-10-ish. Four, 4-10. Mm. So we'll be doing Blue Jays talk then, and uh, Thursday's an off day. So we don't have a show Wednesday? We have a post-game show. Oh, Blue Jays talk on Sportsnet 590. Um, we spent a lot of time before the game, or before the show today, looking at the breakdown of stats for Monday. No, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, I trades. I mean, we're a week and a day away from the trade deadline. Just picture this. <clears throat> The Baltimore Orioles are in Toronto on the trade deadline. Let's say that at uh, when the deadline's at six, but let's say sometime after six, just before a first pitch in a game, the Orioles acquire Marcus Stroman. How yeah, many heads do you think would explode in this city? Why would they care? Well, because be happy to see him. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. The, uh, the lineup for the Jays may not be happy to well, see I mean, that. I don't know. I'm not but, saying to get, you know, but, but it's, to me, I, I was thinking about this. It would be very much like, was it the Minnesota? Who, who was here when they acquired David Price and Troy Tulowitzki? And they, they, I think it might have been Kansas City. Was it Twins? No, I think you're right, Andrew. It was the Twins. But just the idea of, of being in the same city as a team that's just gone out and blown the doors off everybody in the trade deadline. Because I think we all think that the Orioles are, I mean, first of all, they've already made a deal for a reliever. Uh, We know that they're motivated. We know that they certainly have prospects that they could trade. Frankly, they've got a couple of dudes they could trade off the roster, off their roster right now uh, and, and bring guys up from the minors who could, who could fill in? They're just so getting Stroman for the deep. Orioles had a big deal, huge deal. I think it's a massive deal uh, because what I want, if I'm the Orioles, this is like, and, and we'll talk about the Jays in a minute. If I'm the Orioles, I it's more important for me to get a dude that I know is going to take the ball. I don't want to be surprised. And the thing about Marcus is Marcus is going to take the ball and compete his ass off. And Marcus is going to rise. Like Marcus gives you everything if you're the Orioles you don't have right now. You know, he gives you the swagger. As I said, he gives you the, the reliability, the durability. He fits into that team. They're young and athletic. Um, he's, I mean, there's no moment. He's certainly not afraid of pitching in, in the Yale East. I can see the Orioles doing something like getting Stroman and then maybe getting a veteran dude with some, some postseason experience, so, some mean, deeper postseason experience. A starter or a reliever? Reliever. Reliever. Or or another star. Like I I could see them doing a Lance Lynn. A Lance Lynn type or a strike. Strikes out everybody. Yeah. Uh you know, Lucas Giolito, it doesn't really cost you more. Yeah, well, and he doesn't really bring that postseason pedigree. You know, a Justin Verlander, I, I a, a Max Scherzer. Uh 
I just, if I'm the Orioles, and, and the thing is, think about what this team has done. This team has just taken three out of four games from a team that was leading the division from opening day on. Um, they're getting, they're dudes. Like I said, Gunnar Henderson's rising to the occasion. You've got rookies who are just playing out of their mind right now. And you want to talk about a team that has probably changed their general manager's mind in two months. Is there any more team positively, in a positive way? Anybody more than the Orioles done that? Where they've kind of forced their general manager to think, geez, I better, you know, I got to look at backs, maybe. Uh, Good point. Maybe yeah. the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think it's obvious what they need to go out and do. I don't, I don't think there's any question. Like, it's not, but here's, oh, if we do this, yeah. then this will happen. I, I, no, I think it's That almost makes it easier. Oh, I think it's and obvious. here's the thing. if you're With all due respect to the Diamondbacks, if you go out and add a pitcher and a reliever, a starter and a reliever, you're the best team in baseball? Nope. If you're the Orioles and you go out and add... Baseball strong in the American League. I mean, that Braves team's over in the National okay. League. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty right. good. I, I will, yeah, no, I, I will give you that. And the Braves, by the way, added a couple of relievers. I mean, it's a typical Alex move, added a couple of relievers today, kind of low, you know, low-cost low cost moves. But, man, I, I could certainly be the best team. I could come out of the trade deadline if I'm the Orioles and be the best I mean, team in the could, American League. You could argue right now they're the best team in the American League. Right now, hey, well, you probably could. No, you could. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm thinking off the top. If the of my Rangers head. came to Baltimore. Corey Seager's out for a while. Let's see how you he. Think. You could argue. Let's see how he recovers from that. Um, I'm just looking now. This is okay. The Braves made a couple of trades today. They acquired Pierce Johnson from the Rockies. Uh, they gave up a right-handed reliever, Victor Vodnik, who was ranked as the Braves' number ten prospect. Uh, they got Taylor Hearn from the Rangers. They gave up their 26 prospect, 26 ranked prospect. Um, you know, Pierce Johnson's a guy who, who kind of talk about change of scenery guys. He's kind of, he's hit, hit, hit the skids a little bit for the Rockies. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the Orioles aren't that far away. The question is, let's shift focus a bit here. The question is to the Blue Jays. Um, you know, I, I think it's obvious that they need to add another bat. If they can't add an impactful bat, then I think maybe you try to do what the what the the Braves did a couple of years ago and just add add three guys who are going to make you different somehow. You know, maybe uh, and I again, I'm, I'm just Hunter Renfro is a name that comes to mind. I don't know if C- the CJ Giants are ready. like that. Yeah, too. yeah just that a guy, guy that you come in and gives you something different than what, what would you that have. Do? What, what, what is that doing? It makes you. You know what? What does that do? It makes well make I, you a better team. I, it it makes your lineup different. Like it does it make you a better I team? Guess. If if we operate under the assumption that making this lineup sale. different. It's a tough sale. It's good. Well, you're, you, 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 all you've been saying all year is how good you are and how much faith you got in them. And, and you know, you're, we're, we're trying to win a World Series and we got the team to do it. And then you go out and get a C.J. Crone when your offense looks like it looks. But you're I, not. I, I'm not saying I don't like C.J. Crone, but that can't be all you do. Well, I, I think your, 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 your question here, again, no, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not all you do, but. It's what do you need? What can you do that gives your lineup a different look and makes it tougher to pitch against? Like I just, and and that's exactly what the Braves did. And I understand the Braves had probably more talent to trade, 
but I don't know off the top of my head if the, any of those deals the Braves made, how, how, how much they gave up the year they went to the World Series. It made them tougher to pitch. It completely changed the complexion well, of that Soler. lineup. They had Soler, which is a big re- name. Well, they got Jorge Soler would well, be a and nice they got Rosario. They, you had, know, you had that, that twenty plus home thing. Was, now all of a sudden, you're no, talking. Nobody was making a big deal about Rosario. I don't think when they got him, he was huge for. Yeah, them. I don't think the Braves were either. You're trying to find lightning in a bottle. I mean, half your your outfield's hurt. That's why he Alex went out and did it. I mean, so that's part of it's it. It's a yeah. little of you know you didn't have a choice kind of thing. Well, that's and then part you of call it. Lightning but, in a bottle and. You know, you got lucky there with the division you were playing in. Some teams around you weren't playing well. I'm not taking anything away from you, but I, I all I'm saying is there's two ways. There's two ways to go about this. Either you swing big and you try to get Cody Bellinger, um, or you or you pivot and you try to overload quality either in your pen or in your rotation. I mean, already... I'm going to outpitch you. Sorry, that's oh, what I'm going to do. Okay. Why, why, why would I go out and get a so, C.J. Kronstock? I do that. Let, let me ask you that. Okay, well, you talk about we're going we're gonna to overload on pitching. You're gonna, do you honestly think you're going to get somebody better than Jose Barrios at the trade deadline? Because it doesn't matter who you get. You go to the playoffs, it's going to be Gossman, Barrios, and Bassett. Are you going to get somebody better than Gossman, better than Bassett, better than Barrios at the trade deadline? Oh, okay, what I'd rather, I, 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 I don't I, know. I could use another hybrid guy. Uh, Eric uh, Swanson, you feel that, comfortable with that? Zap, does does hi- it feel, does it feel, does I'm, a t- hybrid, I'm talking about an experienced dude that throws hard do, that can get the meat of the order out. Does a hybrid guy move the needle for the team? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just saying, well, uh, it's still going to be the same dudes. You're still going to have a lineup that hits well, into all those I double mean, if plays. You'd, if you'd have had that in Seattle, you're taking two out of three. That's the point. Here. I don't know this about is what that. we're talking about. Here, I don't know right? about that. You know, a, well, well, seriously, if you're, if you're not bringing in a name, then you pivot no, and try I and make your, the best part of your team better. I think Maybe that's – that. I, I, what, what name? Joe Kelly, does he – does that make you much, that much better? He might not be as good as Chad Green. We don't know. Hmm. You're going to get somebody better than Hyunjin Ryu? The deadline? I, again, I'm, I'm just asking who? Max Scherzer? Justin Verlander? A guy like Lucas Giolito? Maybe. Then what do you do with him? Well, you, you know, go to the playoffs, well, you you're not you using Lucas Giolito. Well, you, can't, you can't speak and say you're, you're swinging big, and then you go C.J. Crone and somebody else. Well, who's, That's oh, the oh, thing. Is, so you got, you got no, a, no, the, no, the no, name you, has to be no, warrant helping your team who, or your lineup. Who said they're swinging big? I'm going to go look I, I, at, at any point as Ross as Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro come out and said we're swinging big. I don't I don't think so. Well, I mean, I think when you're talking about winning World Series and and you know what your weakness is, how do you not swing big? I don't think that. How do you not? I, swing I don't big? think I've heard I've heard them say that. I think I've heard a bunch of people around the team say they should do it. I think I've heard me say it. I think I've heard you say it. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you think they'd come out and say it? The team has to be the team has to be better after the deadline. It has to be better. And I look at this lineup. I don't think it's hard. You know, I understand what Ross said. Well, you know, you, he said that if you add somebody, then you're subtracting somebody. you got to be careful. The guy you add is better than the guy you subtract. It's not that hard in some of these cases. Like, with all due respect, and I'm not throwing Dalton Varsho, uh, you know, under the bus because Dalton Varsho is going to be here for another truth, couple truth of years. Hurts and he's a great, point. it is. He's a very good defensive player. Absolutely. But I got to do better than this right now. There you go. Alejandro Kirk, I got to do better than Alejandro Kirk right now. Brandon Belt, I'm sorry. I, I, I got to do better than having Brandon Belt hit in the middle of my lineup right now. You just said a lot, Jeff. A I'm not lot. saying I'm going to get all of them, but I'm saying if I can get a dude who hits in the middle of my lineup and 
plays for Dalton Varsho. That's okay. That's a, that's why I keep well, bringing up. That's why I keep bringing up a, a dude like Bellinger. Well, the, the the question is, if you don't get Cody, now what? Because it sounds like they're in on it. And there's conversations. Now what? Where well, are you going then? You know, that, I'm just that, looking. That, that's that I, would again, be the it's intriguing about, part. It's of that. about making yourself better. You know, I'm just looking at Bob Nightingale's report today about the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are basically trading anybody except for Newt Bar, Goldschmidt. Arenado and uh, I'm missing a guy. Hang on. No, Gorman wasn't on that list. Goldschmidt is a full no trade clause. Arenado is a full no trade clause. Contreras is a full no trade clause. But it's not that they're not going to trade. They wouldn't trade him. But um, it was just, uh, yeah, Nightingale just just, uh, saying that those are the three guys. Gorman isn't on the list. Tyler O'Neill's not on the list. Brandon Donovan isn't on the list. Mm. Again, do the, would either of those three guys make you different and by extension make you better? I don't know. What about a guy like Mark Hanya? He's He's a name that's out there. Does he come in and move the needle? I don't know. Does he make the Jays better? I'd, you, can make, you can make a case that he makes the lineup different. And is that alone going to make the, the lineup better? I don't know, but it makes it different. And that's what I'm saying. I, you, 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 you can't come out of the trade deadline with the same lineup. You, you've got to have, it's just got, we can't sit here and say it, this lineup is good enough to take us where we want to go because it hasn't been for three months. And I don't think anybody's saying that. Not on this show anyway. No, but other, I mean, they're talking about, well, I mean, who would you bring in to replace? I, mean, I can think of three guys off the top of my head I'd replace at the drop of a hat. And he's, again, seriously, Varsho, Kirk, and Bell. I don't care. If, I, so what if Dalton Varsho's a bench guy for the rest of the year? Maybe I toss in the catcher's equipment and say, let's start working with that as a third catcher or something like that. Mm. I, I, I'm just saying that I, I, don't, I don't understand how, like, there shouldn't be any untouchables in this team other than the two dudes. And, you know, obviously Springer. And, of course, Chapman's here. You can't trade Chapman because he's a free agent. But, you know, I, I roll my eyes every, you know, I keep getting back to Mitch White. I roll my eyes. This team treats 40-man roster spots like like everybody Everybody wants everybody they have. No, they don't. I got news for you. You got some guys in, this, in your 40-man roster that suck. <laughs> I mean, they do. Let's be clear. They suck. There's some dudes in this 40-man roster that are not very good. And... Do you really care? Uh, if somebody takes Mitch White from you, ooh, where are we going to find that? Anyhow, 416-413-3959. Steve in Toronto. Steve. How many of you guys haven't talked about Kikuchi's start on Friday and why uh, Snyder pulled him so soon? Because he ran out of time. We'll By do the that right test, now. He was, uh, he was mowing everybody down, and mm-hmm. I think he shouldn't have got pulled. Yeah. Gossman was pitching the next day. Two weeks rest, so you need your bull, two weeks not pitching for two weeks, so you need your bullpen. You had Mano on Sunday, Somebody so you guys haven't that. talked about that. I'd like to hear comments about that. Thank we will you. do that right now. Thanks, Steve. Um, I think somebody in this show said that one of the reasons he thought you say Kikuchi would stay in longer was because he went a better longer than what you said he'd go. Yeah, I know. Like I won that bet, by the way. Remember the. I, uh, I mean, I mean, if Teoscar would have hit second, you would have lost that bet. That's the difference. 
is. I don't, I don't understand how these are surprises that all of a sudden you say Kikuchi is facing the oh, dude not, that rakes no, I'm not, I'm not saying I the no, third time through the order. Like, I, I don't understand that. I, I, I think the caller's point is, and, and, I, and, I, and I do agree with this. Why not? Because the numbers, the numbers, and the smart people that run that team huh. are saying they don't lost, do that. Well, they lost the game. Oh well. So I'm just saying the numbers and the smart people well, who run what, that team what, what, what they ended up losing why the game. Not? You know why? Like I'm just saying they ended up losing well, the game. I, how many runs they scored? I, I get, I get the call. I, I'm just saying, I get the callers. I, I do get the callers point. I'm not saying I would have done it any differently, but I get the callers point. I can see where people watching that game would go. Why the hell are you doing that? Because you've got a dude on two weeks rest, and, and then you've got Manoa, and and you know, I'll say this right now. You know, let's see what happens these next three days. Alec Manoa may have may have done his boys a solid by doing what he did yesterday, by keeping it together. You know, and if Alec Manoa had, you know what, the bet after an inning and two thirds or or two and a third. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I guess I, I'm sure I, again, John Schneider's not an idiot. The numbers back up his decision making. But I see why I see why callers would look at a game in which the bullpen blew the game and asked. Why did you take the starter out when you did? I understand that. I understand that. Now, let's face it. The reason the Jays have lost, lost those games is because they couldn't, couldn't come through with a hit when they needed it more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I get, the callers, uh, get the callers' point of view there. But I, mm. I, I, we can't be surprised anymore. This is what it is. And this is the way it's going to be the rest of the year. Um, I mean, that's the way the Jays are going to manage you, say, Kikuchi. And again, as Mr. Barker says, they've got numbers that tell them they're doing the right thing. They're not, they're not doing it because they want to be stupid or because they want to be wrong. They're doing it because that was, is what the available body of evidence suggests. I'm just saying I was a little surprised because knowing what was coming down the road in the next two games, that's all. I was a little surprised because I couldn't count on you, – you couldn't count on the next two starters – you're going to tell me you were absolutely convinced that Kevin Gossman was going to be lights out? I didn't think you were I, absolutely I convinced that Alec Manoa was going to get out to Oscar Hernandez for a third time. Yeah, okay. That's that's why they're, and it's hard for me to say that. Who came in to pitch for him? Uh, did he get pitcher. Did he get to Oscar out? A pitcher. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, you. No, I just I, I like I said I get the call I get I get the caller's point. I I do find it interesting that people still ask that question now because it's been going on all year, right? And and it's almost like it's been going on for I'm, years. And, not uh, not this, this that's year. true. I mean, I'm not years. criticizing fans, but it is that is. I don't know why you're surprised. That's like the way this no, organ no. that's the way this organization does stuff. No offense, but it's the way the organization yeah. does stuff, and maybe they're right. I mean, they haven't been Organiz- right enough. They haven't been right enough so far to the point where they want a playoff uh, series or gone to the World Series. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I mean, at some point, we're going to have to men- start mentioning that. No, if, they, if 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 they don't make the playoffs this year, or if they go out in the first round of the playoffs this year, we got to ask some questions. I'm sure we will. Anyhow, I've had my say. 
I've had my say. 10-10 is the first pitch tonight. Uh, Jose Barrios, what are you looking for from him? I mean, against the lefties, that's a big deal. The change-up command, strike one's a big deal. Uh, be competitive with the slurve. You got three different ones. Be competitive with it. He'll give them a chance. Like, that's that's their goal is to give the lineup a chance to have a big inning. Is he the best pitcher in the rotation right now? Absolutely. He's predictable. been telling you this. Like, this is what they're trying to fill in the blanks with. Predictability. Like, that's – you talked about making the lineup better. Predictability. Like, how can I make it at bat better with a dude standing on second against a tough pitcher? He ain't always going to get a hit, but I know he's going to give me a competitive at bat. Going to get a good pitch to hit. That's the same thing with these pitchers. Like, that's why you uh, – why don't we talk about the Orioles running out and getting experience? Predictability. Got all this athleticism oozing. You got everywhere I look, they're everywhere. But you're looking for experience. The Blue Jays are no different. So that's sort of – Barrios is kind of the same kind of way, right? When he's throwing strike one and be competitive with the slurve and now the changeup is a weapon – He's really good, and he'll give him a chance to have the big inning. I don't expect any different tonight, the, even uh, if it is Monday. The Jays, by the way, if you're interested, uh, they're meeting the Dodgers for the first time since 2019 when they were swept in a three-game series at Chavez Ravine. They've gone 7-14 all-time against the Dodgers. That fourth or 3-3-3 win percentage is their lowest against any opponent, followed by 421 against the New York Mets. Who's got a ton of at-bats? Uh, against the Dodgers. Brandon Belt, of course, former San Francisco Giants, uh, hit two thirty nine lifetime with 29 triples, 29 doubles, a triple, 17 home runs, 63 RBI, and 70 walks against the uh, the Dodgers. George Springer, 7 for 24, three doubles, two home runs, five RBI across his seven career games against the Dodgers. But, I mean, that doesn't, doesn't matter because they... Georgie hasn't been there for a while. Anyhow, mm. uh, 10-10 is the first pitch tonight. Michael Grove will be on the mound for the Dodgers. Jose Barrios for the Blue Jays. Mr. Barker and myself will be back. Or Mr. Barker and me. My English teacher sent me a text. Mr. Barker and me will be back on uh, Tuesday. 5-7. to seven. Have yourself a great day. <laughs>